Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Open your Bible to the book of St. Matthew, chapter number 27. It's a very long chapter in the Bible, chapter 27, Matthew 27. We're going to teach and if you're here today and it's your first time here, thanks for coming. Somebody invited you. Praise the Lord. Somebody invited you. They must care about you very much to bring you to a place where people, where we love people and point them to Christ. But I also just wanted to kind of give you a little heads up. This is not a typical Sunday at New Heights Church. Uh, we always pray for the sick. We always believe God. But... Uh, today is Sacred Sunday to us, and what that means is we are seeding into 2018. 2017, we saw uh, around, if, if we haven't already passed it, 2,000 people born again or recommit their life to Jesus in a church service at New Heights Church. That's a really good place to clap right there. So what we're believing God for is 2018 is going to be uh, even greater. We're believing God that our ceiling has become our floor that we're going to do. And, and uh, thank you for uh, uh, your faithfulness throughout the year and helping us love people and point them to Christ. But in 2018, I had originally said, I'm believing God for 10,000 souls, but I've shifted it because of Friday when the devil tried to attack my family. And now it will be a thousand souls a month. Yeah. Praise the Lord. So if the devil's going to work overtime, then praise the Lord, so are we. Praise God. We're going to take back what the enemy tried to steal. So open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew 27. Let me tell you where we are in uh, the chronological order of our, sal of our salvation and redemption. What happened previously to what we're about to read is Jesus was crucified. So he is now dead. He is suspended on the cross between earth and heaven for everyone to see. He is suspended there, nailed to those wooden beams, still wearing the uh, crown of thorns and also uh, with a puncture wound in his side from where they had stuck a spear in his side. So Jesus is hanging there and the Bible says, when the evening was come, verse 57, when the evening was come, there came a rich man. Everybody say rich man. It's important to, to recognize he's rich. Why is that? Well, number one, the Bible says so. And everything in your Bible is important. But number two, Jesus said at one point, he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to make it into heaven. And everybody lost their mind, specifically the disciples. They said, well, who can make it into heaven? And Jesus answered and said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The disciples were nervous because the disciples were walking around with Jesus and Jesus had one of the most lucrative ministries, if not the most lucrative ministry that had ever been on planet earth. How do I know that? Because every time that he did something for people, they would begin to pour and rain blessings on him. 
Consequently, Peter was a fisherman. He owned fishing boats, and Jesus just about sank his boat with fish, and fish to a fisherman is money. He didn't just almost sink his boat. He almost sank his friend's boat. In other words, the disciples, they were doing well also. Matter of fact, one time they owed some taxes. Everybody say, oh me. One time they owed some taxes and the Bible said, Jesus said, well, just go fishing, Peter. Go do what you do. And the Bible says he went fishing with a fishing pole and he reeled in a fish and in the fish's mouth was a gold coin sufficient enough to pay the taxes. I believe it was a Bitcoin if I had to uh, guess. But... Uh, at the end of it all, what happens is the disciples were very blessed around Jesus or they wouldn't have been nervous when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to make it into heaven. Why would they be nervous if they were poor? That's right. That's right. So they were doing very well with Jesus because Jesus is always going to be taken care of because his father takes care of him. So the Bible says Joseph of Arimathea is a rich man. And he, he was one of Jesus' disciples. Now, the Gospel of Mark doesn't just say he's one of Jesus' disciples. The Gospel of Mark also indicates that he's a member of the Sanhedrin. In other words, the religious group at the time that was the most highly respected. And he went to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and he begged the body of Jesus. Everybody say begged. He begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. So, so... Literally, you got to picture who this man Joseph is, Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph comes, and, and not only is he wealthy, not only is he respected in the church, in the Sanhedrin, the, day, the biggest day in the history of humanity, and he can walk straight in the governor's office and have a meeting with him. Now, you've got to have some serious favor, moxie, swag, or importance on your life in order to speak to the governor on the biggest day in the history of all humanity. It would be like trying to get a meeting with President George W. Bush the day 9-11 happened. That's what the world, the world was in total turmoil. Rome was in turmoil. The, 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 the Jews were risen up. Uh, the people that followed Jesus were risen up. Everybody was in an uprising. And Pilate, somehow, because the Bible says in the book of Luke, God will give you favor with God and man. So he walks in and he begged the body. He begged the body of Jesus. Everybody said begged. This is important. Because I don't want anybody to hear anything what we talk about here. And, and we don't want it to ever sound like we are begging anybody to do anything. Because that's not it. The Bible says that Joseph, the wealthy man, respected in the body, respected uh, uh, in the church, respected in the community, able to go have a meeting with the governor on the biggest day of the world. The Bible says he walked in and begged the body of Jesus. The reason that's important is because the body of Jesus, let's just call it like this, the body of Christ, the body of Christ is now represented much different than a corpse laying in a borrowed tomb. Everybody look to your left and look to your right. You just saw the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church of the living God, the people of God. Amen. In other words, Joseph was saying, let me do something for the body of Christ. If we put it in today's terminology, he would say, let me do something for the body of Christ. Let me do something for the church. Let me do something for New Heights Church. Let me do something to help the church love people and point them to Christ. Let me do something for church. Listen, when you get a taste of how good Jesus is, you will beg to do something for God. Nobody will have to beg you to do it. 
He's overwhelming in might. When, listen, I thought I'd seen miracles before. I'd seen people walk, couldn't walk. I'd seen people couldn't hear that could hear. But when your son goes blind in a matter of hours, the nurse says he's blind, and two minutes later the doctor says, I can't find anything wrong for him, you'll stop wondering what should I do for God, and you will beg to do something for God. How can I do something for the body of Christ? This is what Joseph said. What can I do? Let me do something. He said, he said, please, Pilate, let me do something for the body of Christ. Let me do something for the church. Pilate commanded that his body would be delivered unto him. Verse 59. And when Joseph had taken the body, Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped him in clean linen cloth. Mark's gospel says fine linen cloth. Everybody say fine. Thanks, y'all. It's a nice suit, but that... Oh, y'all were talking about the Bible, okay. Fine linen. In other words, he took his very best. He took his very best, and what did he do with it? He wrapped the body of Christ. Every time you hear body of Christ in your Bible, you can replace it with the word church. He took his very best... And he brought it to the church. The Bible says he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and he laid it in his own new tomb. Everybody say new. new. This is important. The reason it's important is because in these days, tombs were family tombs. So if your grandpa had a tomb, you don't need a tomb. If your daddy had a tomb, you don't need a tomb. In other words, maybe that's you today. Maybe you were born and you don't have any history in, in Jesus or any history in, in genealogy. I want you to know God can make a way for you where there was no way. You don't have to have a, 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 a lineage a mile long in God. No, God uses everybody that will call on the name of the Lord for his glory. You're not second rate. You're not second class. None of that has any bearing on what you can be. The only thing that will hinder you from what you can be in God is what you're willing to believe. The Bible says his new tomb. The Bible says he had hewn it out of a rock. In other words, he chiseled it out of a rock and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and he departed. It's important to know that it was a new tomb because I believe personally what happened is Joseph of Arimathea, the disciple of Jesus, the follower of Christ, he began to listen to what Jesus said and he began to hear Jesus say things like this, whatever you do for the kingdom, I'm going to repay in this life, 30, 60, and some 100 fold in this life, he said. And Joseph said, really, he'll do that? Maybe I should believe that, maybe I shouldn't. And then Jesus opened a blind man's eyes and all of a sudden he said, well, if he'll do that, maybe he'll do the rest of what he said. And he began to follow after the teachings of Jesus he got maybe he got to be friends with Peter and he said Peter what's Jesus really like when he's not around all the people he said when he's not around all the people and it's just you and him if you'll do what he says to do he will sink your boat with blessings when nobody else knows, he'll show you things in the spirit that you've never seen. He'll take you to mountaintops and begin to display heaven to you. When nobody knows, he'll put, you, he'll, put, he'll put his hand on your shoulder and he'll tell you, I've prayed for you. When nobody knows what's happening, when Jesus is the only one, he'll call you a name that only you and him know. This is what Jesus is like when nobody's around. This is what Jesus is like. And Joseph said, really, he'll do all that? He'll do all that. And I believe Joseph, potentially, he was following after this teaching. And all of a sudden, he started doing really well. Things started to improve in his life. And he said, what do I want to do? He said, I want to do something that doesn't die with me. 
I want to do something that benefits my next generation and every generation after me. In other words, my children and my children's children. Because if he worked and chiseled out a tomb, now his kids don't have to. In other words, what you will do today in this life, you will make sure your kids don't have to do what you should have done. They can do what they're called to do. So he hews it out, the Bible says, which means, I don't know about you, they didn't have a bunch of drills and stuff in those days. So this took a lot of work. Did you know getting the gospel out takes a lot of work? Did you know that, 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 that getting the gospel out takes, takes monumental amounts of work? There was a man when about 12 years ago, I met him and, and I met him at, at our, at our church where we come from. And his name is Bill Benson. He's one of my great friends today. And, and I remember meeting him and I told my wife, I said, man, that guy, he serves the Lord. He serves, he has five kids. They all serve God. I said, he serves the Lord. I said, wherever I see that man, that's where I'm going to be. I didn't even know anything about him at the time. I knew I liked him. We liked to hang out, talk. And, and every time I would see him, he was there early at church and he was straightening up chairs and he was, he was, we'd go to eat and he's telling the waitress about, you gotta come to our church. Jesus loves you. Oh my goodness. It's gonna be amazing. We'd go and, uh, he had a, he had a little farm where he had horses and stuff and he'd be out there and he'd be shoveling manure, talking about, boy, God is good. And I'm like, yeah, praise the Lord, Bill. God is good. And just all these things. And, and then, uh, we had three campuses at that church. So we're always having to move chairs from place to place. And if you've been in the ministry, or if you've been in church more than five years, you you know church is two things it's getting people saved and it's moving chairs around praise the lord <laughs> so he would move chairs around only did i come to find out later bill is a multi multi multi-millionaire businesses growing like nobody's business real estate uh developing subdivision all these different things i said bill i said you never told me he goes why do i need to tell you i'm just serving the house of the lord i said well praise the lord joseph of arimathea <laughs> and every now and then old bill would say something he said brian you don't know the secret to raising kids i said i'd love to know it bill he said the secret to raising kids is the law of first fruits you got to start wherever you are so if this is new to you you just start here. It's the law of first fruits. You pour everything you got in that first kid. He said, by the time you get to the other ones, you're, not, you're, you're now having the first kid help you raise the other kids. He goes, before you know it, he said, because the next, the next batch of children, he said, they're going to want to do what the oldest one does. So if the oldest one does right... They're going to pull you in the right direction. Nowadays, we don't even have to t- hardly say anything around our, around our little kids because, because our oldest one, she'll be like, oh, guys, that's not how we act. That's not how we talk. Praise the Lord. All kind and sweet and, and wonderful. But I said, Bill, that's brilliant. He told me, he told me all kinds of things. He said, he said, Brian, he said, if when you're buying a car, and y'all don't have to do this, but I do it. He said, when you're buying a car, he said, always buy the biggest motor and you'll never regret it. So for 12 years, every car I bought, I just walk up to the place and say, what's the biggest motor you got? Praise the Lord. And they said, well, that one right there. I said, I'll take it. Yeah, the biggest motor you got. That's what I want right there. But what happens is you end up picking things up from the Josephs of Arimathea in this world Amen. that are, listen, everything doesn't have to be wealthy in the natural. But when you are begging to do something for the house of God, when you're begging to do something for the church, God is going, oh my goodness gracious, that's what I died for, the church. 
That's what I defeated death, hell, and the grave for, the body of Christ. And you've got somebody who's willing to give their very best linen, who's taken all of their work and energy, and they're willing to do that for the kingdom. Then the Bible said they laid his body in that borrowed tomb. And when they laid his body in that borrowed tomb, the Bible says he rolled a big stone in the way. The reason he rolled that big stone in the way, he said, Joseph's position was to protect the body of Christ. We ought to be exceptional at protecting the body of Christ. That means when somebody says something about the church, not just this church, any church, we don't chime in. We don't even nod our head yes. We just, just and if, it, if the conversation is going to be uncomfortable, let it be uncomfortable. Because we're not going to talk about what Jesus died for. And I'm talking about it, even the churches we, you know, maybe you say, well, I don't know why they believe. I don't know or care why they believe anything. If they wave the banner of Christ, we're on the same team. Praise the Lord. So when somebody's talking about the church, you just act like you don't even hear it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, well, God is faithful. Maybe we should pray for them. When you hear something, even in this church, you hear something about, you know, somebody goes to this church, they did something crazy. Put it on Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) Listen, love covers a multitude of sins. Let's put a stone. The Bible says Jesus was the building block that was rejected, but became the cornerstone of the whole new world. Let's put a stone. Let's protect the body of Christ. You want to talk about you want to talk about the body of Christ? You want to talk about the church? You want to talk? That's fine, but you're not going to talk about it with me. And if you do, it's going to be a monologue. It's not going to be a dialogue. Praise the Lord. You somebody does something in the church? Praise the Lord. You just you just believe God. You just believe God with Him. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. You'll have your day, and you will want to be dealt with in the best way possible. In other words. Most of the time we judge people on their actions and we judge ourselves on our intentions. I'm going to say that one more time. Most of the time we judge people on their actions, but we judge ourselves on our intentions. I didn't mean it that way. They shouldn't be hurt. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. But then somebody does something to us. We have no idea what's going on in their life, but because they said it to us, we are judging them or that situation on how they acted Instead of going, man, this is not them. This is not how they act. I must really need to pray. I need to pray that God would intervene on their life. Because that's not how they talk. Father, would you forgive them? Would you heal them? Would you, would you set them? Whatever's going on. I don't even know what it is. Whatever's going on in their life, would you just heal them? You're just taking that big rock and you're rolling it over in front of the body of Christ. And you're saying, nobody's messing with the body of Christ while I'm around. We don't wrestle physically. We wrestle spiritually, supernaturally. So then the Bible continues to say, there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. This is the greatest picture in your Bible of the body of Christ. You have Mary Magdalene and you have Mary, the mother of Jesus. Why is this so important? It's so important because Mary, the mother of Jesus was noted as the most honorable lady, arguably in humanity, but certainly in that day, chosen by God to bear the son of the living God in her virgin womb. 
And the place she wanted to be most was at the body of Christ. Then we see Mary Magdalene, a completely different picture. Possessed with at least seven demons. Many people call her a prostitute or a harlot. It's arguable that she was. The scripture's not crystal clear on it. But it's arguable that that's what it was, what she was. Even when she worshiped God, she was ridiculed. She poured out her tears and her oil on Jesus and took her hair and wiped his feet after he'd been walking many dusty roads, weeping and crying. And the only thing that the church at the time said about her was, would you look at that? He's letting a sinner get close to her. Mary Magdalene knew something that maybe everybody didn't know at that time. The best place for a sinner is the body of Christ, the church. In other words, I don't want a church where only holy people are comfortable. I wouldn't even make the back door. I want a church where holy people feel invigorated and rebuilt, just like earlier in service when the presence was just so strong. But I also want a church where we're Mary Magdalene, possessed with seven devils. Let's just paint the picture. Alcohol and God knows what else pouring off her breath, smelling like the night before, dressed like the night before, with mascara running down her face because of all the decisions she'll live to regret. I want her to know the best place you can be is the body of Christ, the church. And the only church that we have any direct hand on is New Heights Church. In other words, I want both Marys to know that we exist, help me church, to love people and point them to Christ. So throughout all of this, you have Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man, respected in every facet of life, begging to do something for the church, for the body of Christ. What did he do? He did his very best. And we see a church, the body of Christ, where not just people... Who's been saved for more than five years? Just raise your hand. Listen, we don't want to be a church where, you know, saved people aren't comfortable because the body of Christ is all about us too. But we don't want to be a church where people feel like they can't come through the door. Oh, where would I sit? What would they say? How would they look at me? Oh, we want, listen, we want to be so attractive. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to let God do what He does. It's our job to love people and point them to Christ. The Holy Spirit will do all the convicting. Oh, y'all know me. I don't water it down. I'm not one of them, whoever them are. But I'm not one of them. But I'm telling you, we're not going to have a church where the righteous look down their nose at those who need him. Because all we are, if you've been saved, all we are is a little further down the road than they are. No, we're the lifeline reaching back saying, come on, get on the wagon. And if they trip and fall ten times, we're running backwards on the train trying to catch them up. No, you can still make it. You can still make it. It's not too late. Get on here. And the minute that they begin to come to the place where they say, I don't know if I can do anything for God. You say, here's what you do. You just ask God and you beg, Lord, let me do something. And he will let you do something that will be written about in the heavens for all eternity. We're about to receive our 
Think Big Giving Towards Growth Offering. You can do it online. There's a slot for it there. What we're going to do is we're going to walk right by here. We're going to place in this container. My wife, Crystal, and me are going to be standing here. The reason we're standing here is because we want to hug your neck and agree with every person that is believing God for 2018 to be the year when our church does more than we've ever done in the history of our church. I'm believing God, and I want you believing God with me for a thousand souls a month. We're going to be doing crusades, even in different cities. Because this past week, I was believing God for 10,000 souls next year, but when the devil did that to my family, I'm claiming a thousand a month, and we will get it. And what will happen is, we'll take them, and I picture it like this in my spirit. It's how I picture it. I picture it like I'm carrying a bag of souls. You say, what do they look like? I don't picture it that clear. <laughs> but I take them to the desk, and I say, here, Lord, here's a thousand souls. I'll be back with more. Because what he cares about more than your reputation, what he cares about more than any area of comfort in your life is souls. And if you will be committed to souls, and this church is committed to souls, if you'll be committed to souls, you will see God do in your life what only he can do. Go ahead and begin to prepare your your gift. And if you're here today and you're a visitor, don't feel like you have to do this. You're certainly welcome to. But please go ahead and walk with us when we do just for the sake of traffic control. There's a lot of people here today for the sake of logistics. The ushers will direct us row by row so you can stay seated until your row uh, is called. But I want you to, if, you're, if you have a family with you or your, your husband, your wife, your spouse, just for the next moment, I'm going to ask Matthew to sing and ask the presence of heaven to fill this place again. I want you to thank God for what he's done. And I want you to thank God for what he's going to do because of those 10,000 souls a month, maybe one of those is your grandchild. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's your neighbor's son, daughter. Maybe it's your coworker you've been believing God for. But what we know is God's not a man that he should lie. And if he said he would do it, praise the Lord, he'll do it. Father, thank you for speaking to each one of us over the last couple months as we prepare this holy moment. We're giving towards the growth of your great church. Continue to speak to us now and share in our hearts what you would have us to do. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.